after I retired, I was like, right, I have to work out every day. I have to exercise. I have to do this. I have to do that. And my family were like, what are you doing? You don't have to do that anymore. And it wasn't until they kind of said that and I was like, oh, you're right. I don't have to do that anymore. And it's just that whole switch, like the, the mental switch to go, oh, wait a second. You're right. Like, I'm not an elite athlete. I don't have to. It's only for me. Like, if I want to do it, I'll do it. And it was, you know, if I wake up one morning, didn't want to go to the gym, I'm like, I don't have to go to the gym. And that was such an unusual concept for me. Welcome to So What's Next, a place for sharing the stories of incredible Australian athletes. Athletes spend their whole lives training to excel at a sport, their first career. But what happens when they finish? I'm Jamie Nobbs, an ex-figure skater that represented Australia, and I'm excited to share these stories with you. On this week's episode of So What's Next, I would like to welcome Lauren Mitchell, an artistic gymnast. Lauren is a two-time Commonwealth Games medalist. She racked up four golds and two silvers overall. She's a two-time Olympian, first in 2008 in Beijing, helping Australia reach its best ever Olympic team result, and then in 2012 in London, where she placed fifth in the floor. She made history again at the Gymnastics World Championships in 2009 by becoming the first Australian woman to medal in an individual apparatus final and the only Australian to win two medals in the same competition. Lauren ran into a few ankle and knee injuries towards the end of her career and retired in 2016. She's now working as a radiographer at one of WA's top hospitals. Welcome, Lauren. It's so nice to have you on the podcast. That's all right. Thanks for having me. Let's kick off by finding out how you actually got into gymnastics. What was your childhood like? Were you always an active and sporty kid? So, yeah, I was definitely always an active kid, um, always running around outside. Uh, I did dancing and ballet before I actually got into gymnastics. And when I was six, I had a gym bus, which is basically like a big double-decker bus, and they take out all the inside seats and they replace it with gymnastics equipment. So my parents got that for my six-year-old birthday party, and then that basically just sparked my initial interest in the sport. And then I pestered my parents for months to take me down to the local gymnastics club. I finally did, and then I just loved it. Yeah, and then I guess once I did start gymnastics, I was always quite active with gymnastics. It was quite difficult to then do sport outside of gymnastics. But I always participated at school and things. Just I was just never as good as I was at gym. Was the Olympics always your your goal as a kid growing up in gymnastics? Was that always the uh, the be-all and end-all of the sport? Oh, not really. When I first started, I was never the best. And so literally I just did it because I loved it and it was fun. And I really enjoyed going every day and seeing all my friends and things. And then I kind of was like, oh, I am a little bit good at this sport. And that's kind of when I started thinking, oh, maybe I can go to national championships. Maybe I can go to an international competition. And it kind of, I didn't really properly start thinking about, like it was kind of, I guess, always in the back of my mind, but it was never something that I strived for when I was six years old. Like I didn't start gymnastics going, I'm going to the Olympics. I started gymnastics going, I love this sport. I want to keep training in the sport. And then probably when I was like 12, 13, I was like, oh, this can actually be something. I can trial and go to the Olympics, but never thought I would. And I always kind of just aim for a Commonwealth Games because that was easier to get into. But I ended up going to the Olympics before I actually got to go to a Commonwealth Games. So there you go. Is it normally Com Games first and then the Olympics or...? Just the timing of it all. It's very dependent on your age and where you are in the cycle. Um, So obviously we work in every four years. So Olympics is every four years and Commonwealth Games is every four years 
the opposite two years of the Olympics. I actually trialled the Commonwealth Games before the Olympics when I was 14 and I actually tore my hammy. So I didn't get to go to that Commonwealth Games because I injured myself at trials, which was a little bit unfortunate. Um, and then two years later when I was 16, 20, 17, then I got the opportunity to go to the Olympics. But, you know, nowadays I don't think you can be 14 to go to the Commonwealth Games. I think you have to be turning 16. So in gymnastics, you're a senior when you turn 16. In other sports, it's um, 18 or 21 or a lot older. But, yeah, for us in women's gymnastics, you're a senior when you turn 16, which means you can go to Olympics or a Commonwealth Games when you're 16. So if you're ready and you're able and the Commonwealth Games is the year that you're 16, you can go to the Commonwealth Games first. But if the year is you're turning 16 at Olympic year, then you go to the Olympics first. So it's just very dependent. 14, hey? <laughs> I'm trying to think what yeah. I was doing at 14. That's That's pretty incredible. How was your like your training regime? I'm guessing as a six-year-old you weren't working out and training like all day, every day. But how did you see that kind of ramp up over the years? What did your junior years and your senior years as an athlete, what did they look like in terms of training? When you're six, you start out not really training a lot. I think it was maybe three sessions a week started training. And then kind of like, as you say, went from six to seven, seven to eight, eight to nine kind of thing, or you went up in your levels. That was when they added on an extra session and, you know, an extra morning session. I think I was eight when I started doing one morning a week. And it kind of just grew from there. And so when you're six, you start doing three sessions a week. By the time you're, I think it's 12, you end up doing 10 sessions a week. And it's 34 hours and that's just in the gym. And that's basically like a full-time job. And then that's not including all the massage and the physio and the weights and stuff on top of that. It does take a lot of your life. But at the same time, you kind of want it to take that much of your life because that's what you love and that's what you do. Yeah, that makes sense. What would you say your favourite memory is as an athlete? Probably my favourite memory was walking into the Beijing Olympic Stadium. Just in that moment as you're walking out, so we always march out into the arena. At that moment as you walk out into the arena, you can feel the vibe of everyone, like the atmosphere is amazing. You just look around and it's just so awe-inspiring and you just know how massive the Olympics is and in that moment it was just like wow I'm an Olympian and you know it was at that first moment that you realize that well for me that I am an Olympian and I've achieved something amazing and something that not very many people in their life is able to achieve so yeah I think that's probably my favorite memory there's like heaps and stuff and you know I've done a lot of traveling and got to spend a lot of time with friends and things like that and made like lasting friendships. But I think in that moment, that's probably my favorite one because it's just amazing. Oh, and then as well, like when I won my medal at Worlds and just kind of standing on top of the dais, just above uh, the Russians and the Romanians and just knowing that, you know, Australia is good and Australia caused something like this, something massive to beat the Russians and the Romanians. That was a pretty cool feeling as well. <laughs> That would have been quite incredible. Yeah, so a little... I liked watching our flag go up above theirs. <laughs> of course. Um, and I'm guessing they played the national anthem as well. Yes, they did. Even better. So when you look back at your time as an athlete, what are you most proud of? So it doesn't have to be your favorite memory. It could have been like a tournament that, I don't know, day one went really far south and you came back from. I think for me it's overcoming adversity. So there's been so many times where could have given up or stopped or the day-to-day grueling stuff. And for me, I think I'm most proud of getting in every single day and giving it my all. Obviously, it's different every single day. So you get in and give your all, even if your all is like only 50% of what you gave the day before, you're still giving you everything knowing that that's going to make all the difference. And I think 
that's what I'm most proud of because I've learned so many life skills and lessons and things that like I can persevere, I can overcome adversity, I can then also be a kind person but have a competitive streak to me. And I think I'm most proud because you just learn so much about yourself and then, yeah, you learn so much about others and what the human body can kind of do. So I think I guess that's what I'm most proud of. What would you say the most difficult challenge that you faced as an athlete was so it could have been an injury could have been something in particular with that adversity that you just mentioned what do you think the most difficult challenge was for you definitely when I did my ACL so I did my ACL kind of mid-year in 2015 and it was basically a year out from the Rio Olympics which would have been my third Olympics um and I I'd achieved like Commonwealth Games gold medal, uh, World Championships gold medal, and the only thing left me to do was achieve an Olympic medal. That would be amazing, but I just wanted to achieve an Olympic medal. And because ACL surgery takes, if you get like the kind of the normal surgery, it takes nine to 12 months to heal. I only had 12 months to heal and get back to full capacity as well as doing trials and stuff and things like that. So I had kind of like a choice of the different surgeries and I basically had to make up my mind if I was going to retire then on the spot a year out from Rio Olympics not giving it a go or if I was going to get more of a left wing type surgery and a more unorthodox type surgery to try and get me back to be fit and healthy enough to trial for the Games and then hopefully compete at the Games. So that was probably the biggest decision that I've made in my life and you know I had a lot of support around me and helping me kind of get through that decision. Um, And I just remember chatting to mum on the phone and she just said, just go into 2016 with no regrets. And I knew that that meant that I had to do the more unorthodox surgery. And so I got a Lars augmentation, which is basically like an internal splint. So the knee can heal a little bit quicker and that you can get back to training and full training a little bit quicker. And that rehab process was just horrible. So I don't know if anyone's done the ACL out there, but you need to do your rehab because if you don't do your rehab, it's just you run the risk of like re-rupturing it again but it's just like when you first come out of surgery it's basically like you can't even walk and yeah it was just horrible but got through that and then kind of started getting fit again and then yeah I had like a few setbacks within the rehab process and actually to come back and then compete at nationals and I won beam at national championships I think only eight months after I ruptured my ACL so overcoming that adversity and then coming back on the other side and proving to Australia and proving to myself that I was still good at the sport and then I still was competitive with my sport that was kind of the most proud thing of overcoming that all adversity and then unfortunately Australia didn't qualify a team for the Olympics so I didn't actually end up going to Rio but I am still very proud of overcoming that adversity and getting through everything and now doing my rehab because my knee's all good. You talked about having like that support network are there okay. any other pivotal people that you saw during that time that really supported you through your time as an athlete overall? Well, definitely my whole family. Like my whole family has been there my whole journey um, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. Like, Mum used to drive me to training in the morning and take my siblings to school and come back, drive me to school and then pick me up from school, take me to training, pick them up from school and then pick me up from training after. So like, Mum was a huge help and like she sacrificed a lot and then a lot for all four of us, which was just amazing. And then you still need to keep your sanity and stuff with your school friends and your gymnastics friends and people like that. And then Wace were a great support to me as well. Matt Berg and my psychologist, he probably saw me cry more than anyone. <laughs> Although my coaches probably saw me cry more than anyone as well. And yeah, my coaches were just, they are the ones that push you every single day. But now looking back, you you appreciate it and you know that they're only doing it for your own good because I wanted to... They wanted you to do well and 
and I wanted to help you reach your peak. Yeah, so just everyone around you. And you have to surround yourself with positive people and people that you know that will have your back and help you and, you know, do what's best for you. Do you still get to catch up with many of them now or do you not get to see them as much? Um, All the gym girls, yeah, we still catch up all together, which is really nice because you form such a good bond and you basically grow up together. Like I'm closer to them than I am to my school friends. So that's really nice. And one of my coaches actually moved to France. So she's coaching over there in France. So I see her sometimes when she comes back. She doesn't come back very often, especially now with what's going on. But yeah, she, so she lives over there. So when she comes back once or twice a year, I get to see her then, which is really nice because usually it's like a, big gymnastics thing so you can kind of see everyone all at once and yeah my other coach he still lives here so yeah I catch up with him probably once or twice a year as well which is really nice because again you do form those relationships and they're basically like your second family yeah yeah I understand that I want to have a chat to you about how you would define success so as an athlete whether that's qualifying for a competition or getting on the podium how has your definition of success changed from being an athlete and what do you see success looking like now? When I was an athlete it kind of changed a lot so you know when I was younger and a little bit more naive I used to say oh success is winning or success is getting up on the podium and towards the end of my career success was getting in the gym. Success for me when I was training and competing is doing the same routine in competition that you would in training. So putting your best routine out there and leaving nothing behind and then leaving it up to the judges. Because at the end of the day, we're such a subjective sport that you can't actually predict what they're going to do. Because your routine can be the exact same as someone else's routine, but they give the other person a higher score purely because they like their leotard better, they like their hair colour better, they look prettier, or they're from a different country. And I think... That's what I learned the most in my career is that everyone's going to have their own opinions and their own judgments and all you can do really is control what you can control and that's putting out your routine that you're training and that was success to me. If I got a medal or not got a medal, that was success is putting out the same routine that I was training and if I did that, I knew that I was proud of my performance and that is success. And I guess that's the same with life now, like controlling what you can control in my job. Like I love my job at the moment and success is then you know, doing the best that I can for that patient or for my colleagues and helping them out and, yeah, controlling what you can control. Do you think success, when you achieve that, does it feel the same as an athlete as it does now or has that feeling changed a bit? I don't think anything feels the same as when you're an athlete. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So being an athlete, we are fortunate enough to experience a different level of success compared to a lot of other people and it is such a fleeting moment within your life and you just have to really hold on to it and appreciate it because I don't think anything else is going to ever feel like it especially because you don't get that adrenaline rush you don't get the fear or the nervousness or like those massive ups and downs that sports bring you and the massive challenges and you just like you get it in everyday life but it's completely different to sport because in sport your whole life revolves around it where in work you can just leave work there and then you can come back the next day and it's there. But as much as you try, like I tried very hard when I was in gymnastics to leave gymnastics at the door, it's always in the back of your mind. You know, you're coming home and you're like, oh, I'll eat a bit healthier tonight or I'm not going to have that you know, extra muffin or something like that or I'm going to go for that walk or I need to just chill out with friends. But it's always at the back of your mind where work life, you can always just leave it there and have a little bit of a moan about it when you get home. But at the end of the day, it's always going to be there where sport, I don't know, it just takes hold of you in a different way. Yeah, I think you could look at it like now you have a sort of a work-life balance, whereas an athlete, 
your work is your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it is so important to you and you don't mind doing it, but you don't realise that you're doing it either. Like I didn't realise. I always thought that I was pretty good at leaving the gym at the gym, but now that you're completely, that I'm completely out of it, I realise that I wasn't as good as what I thought I was. But at the end of the day, it doesn't actually really matter because it worked for me. So, How did you manage stress in the sport? So you talk about, uh, how you saw success, but how did you actually manage your stress mentally and physically in the sport? Was it something you had to battle with or was it something that you had pretty well under control? That's a good question. I haven't really thought about that one before. Uh, I guess towards the end of my career, the pressure was definitely a lot more compared to the start of my career because, you know, no one really knows who you are. You're just kind of starting out. You're just doing your thing. And I guess I think I let it get to me a little bit especially 2011, 2012, and that was just right after I won my world championship medal because I didn't know how to handle it. So I think that's when that whole mentality of all you can do is do your job and your performance and you can only control what you can control. I think that's where I worked really hard on to then be able to handle that pressure and that extra stress because, you know, you can't control what the judges are thinking. You can't control what the rest of Australia is thinking or expecting of you. All you can control is like your job and I think the pressure and stuff and the stresses that you put on yourself is just that it's the pressures that you put on yourself because it's what you think Australia thinks or what you think the judges think or what you think other people is thinking of you which that's not correct it's just what you think they're thinking rather than what they're actually thinking I think that's kind of how I handled the pressure and the stress is just trying to take a step back and trying to actually focus on myself and my job and what I was controlling. Do you find now that you've moved out of the sport into this radiographer role, do you manage stress the same way? Is it still that intrinsic pressure that you put on yourself? Um, so at work, say, stresses are very much extrinsic. Uh, you can't control it when you're an ED, for example, and you have all these traumas coming all at the same time. There's nothing you can do about it. You just have to cut it buckle down and do your job and to be honest communication is a really big key in my job especially with the doctors because they know exactly what they want and then you just have to deliver what they want like as a radiographer you're basically taking pictures for them so that you can help them diagnose what the problem and if you've got multiple people coming in all at once obviously there's some people which are more critical compared to other people and so you know you're talking with them making sure that you're doing the more critical person for the other person and you know just little things like that. So it's definitely more extrinsic pressure coming on towards you. But in terms of handling it, it's still the same. You still have that intrinsic, okay, I can do this. I need to focus on A, B, C, D. And again, controlling what you can control. Like you can't control the environment when someone comes in and, you know, they've broken whatever they've broken. You can't control that. All you can control is the way that you deal with it, how calm you are, how well you communicate. Yeah. And basically like how you do your job. So do you think being yeah. a gymnast and going through the pressure that you did on such a like a global level, do you think that helped prepare you for your role? I definitely think time management, organisation, communication, that's definitely helped and being able to work into, in a team, which is, so we work in a team, but it's not always the same people. So being able to handle those sorts of little different things is really, really good. And I think that gymnastics has definitely helped with those little things or being an athlete helps with everyday life in general to be honest yeah even like you know the stresses of adult life I think it helps 
Yeah, I can see how a lot of those skills would be quite transferable uh, across careers, regardless of what you chose to go into. Yeah, exactly. When you started to look at retirement, how was the transition from sport to the next step? Did you have a backup plan ready? I guess I kind of always did have a backup plan because I was always at school studying. There was not really a time where I wasn't studying. I think there was six months after London where I just needed some time off and I just did nothing for six months, which was amazing. But I was always studying and I knew that gymnastics wasn't a career that you can have forever because, you know, it doesn't pay you. Well, yeah, no, it doesn't really pay you. Olympic sport doesn't really pay you. So you do have to have a backup plan because... You know, you're not sure what life is going to throw at you and you're not sure if you're going to get injured or be thrown out of sport or not make the next team. Like, there's so many factors out there. What is the average age of a gymnast retiring? Well, it used to be about, say, 18 to 20. So I retired when I was 25. But I think some of the girls who are still there at the moment are still actually going in there probably about 25. But, yeah, so very young. maybe 23, 24 is the average age. Is that just when your body decides it's had enough? Um, I think generally in the sport it's been a young finishing time because you're like, okay, when Olympics are done and then someone else comes in and takes his spot type thing. Um, but because people are hanging around for more than one Olympics now, like, you know, I trialled for three and the sport is kind of – because our rules change every four years, just subtly, but they change every four years. Yeah. And I think it is becoming, because of that, more of a power type sport so you do need to have a little bit of strength behind you so when you're 16 you're obviously not as strong as when you're 20 so you need to have that strength behind you to be able to perform some of the skills and I think that is kind of what's inspiring people to stick around for longer for me it was my body had had enough (laughs) and my mind had had enough yeah I think each to their own I'm sure there's there's different reasons for each athlete stopping but yeah that strength is a really interesting one I've seen some pretty incredible routines coming through I guess like Simone Biles is probably the main one everyone's looking at at the moment well she's just in a league of her own isn't she 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 is reinventing the sport altogether yep having a look at when you did stop did you get straight into radiography was that something you did want to pursue or did you kind of take some time to figure out what it was that you wanted to study well, radiography is a four-year course, so I would still be studying it now if I hadn't gotten into it beforehand. So when I had that six months off after London, I definitely, because I was studying biomedical science before, I kind of had a reassess and a really little think about what I actually wanted to do. Decided I wanted to get into a job that actually had a job after the degree. It's called medical imaging technology, so you study medical imaging technology to become a medical imaging technologist. And I think it's like 75%, 80% of people who graduate get a job straight away. So that's kind of what I wanted. And I always wanted to get into the medical field. And I didn't want to be a physio or a doctor or anything too hands-on. So it was kind of like a happy medium. I started studying when I was, uh, sorry, when it was 2013. So I was still training at the same time. Um, And I think for any elite athlete out there, I think that's really important because, yes, you have to have a athlete life balance but you also have to have something to fall back on like because you don't know what's going to happen in your sport you don't know if you can still go and train tomorrow you don't know if you're gonna get injured or not make the team or like anything can happen and you just you just don't know and so for me to have that fallback to have that backup plan was just amazing and that transition from going from a full-time elite athlete studying to just studying, I literally focused all my time and energy in that first semester after I'd retired and I think I got the best scores ever and made it onto the vice chancellor's list. And that was purely because I didn't know what else to do with myself. But I think if you're an athlete and you don't have anything to fall back on, then you kind of go a little bit 
stir crazy because you don't know what to do with yourself. So for me, in my career and for me personally, it was so important. I think it is important to have that that purpose, getting out of bed in the morning, what it is that you're passionate about, whether that is your study or your training. What did challenge you the most when you did finish competing? It sounded like you were towards the end of your degree. You were looking at getting a full-time role. What did you find the most challenging part of retiring? Actually still watching the gymnastics and seeing everyone still being able to do it, knowing that I was probably still competitive and that I could probably still do that. That was kind of the hardest thing. And the hardest thing is like, I guess just being shut out from the sport and I did that actively. I basically removed myself completely because I knew that if I was in there just a little bit, I would want to come back and I knew that was the wrong move for me. So it took me a good six months to actually decide to properly retire and take a step back and be like, no, I'm done. And once I made that decision, I had to stick to it. So I removed myself to make sure that I actually stuck to it. It was a challenge because it's been such a big part of your life for so long and I think if I didn't have anything to fall back on if I didn't have a good family support I wouldn't know what to do with myself like I remember right after I retired I was like right I have to work out every day I have to exercise I have to do this I have to do that and my family were like what are you doing you don't have to do that anymore and it wasn't until they kind of said that and I was like oh you're right I don't have to do that anymore and it's just that whole switch like the the mental switch to go oh wait a second you're right like I'm not an elite athlete I don't have to it's only for me like if I want to do it I'll do it and it was you know if I wake up one morning didn't want to go to the gym I'm like I don't have to go to the gym and that was such an unusual concept for me (laughs) and it was getting used to that um, I think which was the biggest challenge. Was that the same with eating did you find that working out eating sleeping was that all kind of the same you tried to keep your routine that you already had as an elite athlete and that just didn't really translate I definitely did (laughs) and then I was like wait I can have a drink on a Friday night this is amazing freed up all Um, your weekend yeah so I think because it's drilled into you that you need to do a b c d in order to be an elite athlete when you kind of just go on okay off you go you can do what you want you're like well no 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 I like my routine I'm still going to do that And then you slowly, those walls kind of break down and you're like, oh, this is what normal life is. Yeah. And for the first couple of months, I really, really enjoyed it. And then I was like, okay, this is, you've had enough now. (laughs) You can go back to a bit of a routine. What steps did you have to kind of put into place for you to get yourself into that new routine? Um, Well, I retired like in September. And then, like I said, I was still pretty much working out every single day and trying to be quite strict and getting all regimented. And it wasn't until my family was like, no, 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 you don't have to do that. But then I probably was a few months, maybe till after Christmas when uni started back up again, because then I was on placement for three months because we do quite a lot of placement for radiography. And then it was then that I kind of started getting back into routine and going to the gym every day, eating healthily again. And I think because I never really had that time to just relax before going out a lot, spending a lot of time with friends and basically just having a holiday, I guess, um, for a couple of months, which was actually really nice because I never had it before. I'd never been able to go, oh, I can stay up till 12 o'clock on a school night because I don't have anything on the next day. Just something like that. So that that does talk about like physically what you had to do uh, to get you back into that routine. How about mentally? What did you find the biggest change was? Was it simply just taking yourself out of that, I'm not an elite athlete anymore, I need to step away from the sport. Were there any other kind of challenges or roadblocks that you had to kind of face when you stopped training? Yeah, I think definitely those ones. And then I think, you know, making sure that 
I knew that I wasn't an elite athlete anymore. And watching other people do it, I couldn't watch other people do it because then I'd just go straight back into it. Like even Commonwealth Games, I think the year after I watched and I was like, I could still do that. And then I actually had a meeting with a couple of people and I was like, look, I'm working full time now. If I go part time, I could probably train X amount of hours per week and I'd only do beam and floor. And then if I wanted to go to Tokyo Olympics, I'd have to qualify myself in this way, this way, this way. And I actually took it quite far. And then it got to the point where I was like, what am I doing? I retired for a reason. And this isn't the reason that I retired. I retired because I was done with the sport mentally, physically. I'd achieved everything I was going to achieve apart from an Olympic, an Olympic medal. Do you think that if I came back and only did beam and floor that I'd get an Olympic medal with the way that the rest of the world is? And, you know, they're all so competitive and they've been training for the last two years. And so I had to really take a good hard look at myself then and be like, okay, you've thought about it. It's not going to happen. And then I think that for me was the final, okay, you're done. Because it was always kind of like that break was really nice. And I know a lot of elite athletes kind of had that year or two break and then they're like, oh, actually, I want to come back and like come back and do really well again. But I think it was a little bit like, at the back of my mind. So mentally, I hadn't really given up on the sport until I had to have that bit of a relapse, I guess, to then go, okay, you're done. Say goodbye. And now I can watch it and I'm fine. I'm like, oh, I could probably still do that, but I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> so I think now that I kind of went through that secondary kind of step, I guess, for, again, lack of a better word, I am more at peace with the whole process and know that I made the right decision at the right time for me. When you were talking about, like, I could go back and do that, I've thought about the same thing, but I forget how long now it takes to warm up and what the recovery yeah. period is to, to actually yeah. try those tricks that used to be just second nature, I guess. It's crazy what the body can do when you're training every day, uh, how quickly it bounces back. Yeah, it is quite extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, now, exactly. We don't bounce back just as quickly. For athletes that might be in a similar time, they're looking at maybe transitioning out or they're just looking, they might be in the peak of their career and just want to get some advice from you. What would you say for athletes about the transition out? Is there any pieces of advice you'd give them? Take your time. You know, sport is always going to be there, but you're um, not always going to be able to do the sport. So it took me two years, like I was kind of thinking about retiring for about two years. And then I was like, no, I'll try for one more Olympics. And then it took me a decent six months to go, okay, I'm actually done with the sport. So if you're in the sport and you're a kind of half-half, keep going until you actually make a proper decision and have a good support network around you to be able to make a proper decision. Because I know it sounds cliche, but retirement does last a life. Um, you know, you can try come back again but it's never going to be the same because you know that you've always had that break and you know you've kind of tasted that outside world I guess so it does it does last for life and you know have those people around you to help you make that decision because at the end of the day whatever the decision is it's going to be the right decision for you there's not going to be the wrong decision because at that time with that information that you have it's the right decision for you but for the athletes still at the peak of their sport keep going like you're achieving amazing things and if I could still keep going with my body and my mind and I could earn a full-time wage, um, <laughs> it would be amazing to be keeping on going. But elite athlete and life, sorry, elite sport and life just doesn't work like that. So just enjoy it while you can and soak up all the experiences because nothing else in your life will be the same. Nothing else compares to it. So just enjoy it while you can. 
I think that's fantastic advice. So going back to you, we've got one final question. What's next? What are your career aspirations now? Oh, when you graduate from medical imaging technology, you graduate and you are able to do general x-rays. So I got into Royal Perth Hospital, which is amazing because we get all the big traumas and stuff in there. So all your general x-ray skills are incredible um, because you get to learn all those different little techniques and stuff. But then because your x-ray skills are so good, you kind of lack on the other modalities like CT and MRI and things. And I was actually so fortunate enough to be able to be given an MRI position only last year. I've only been out for about two years, which at our workplace is quite well sought after. So I think I was just at the right place at the right time and they liked me and I put in a good application, I'm hoping. Um, but yeah, so that's basically my next step. So I'm studying MRI. So I've been doing it for about a year now and then maybe in another year or so you have to do an exam so that you're qualified as an MRI tech, which is kind of cool and because it's very different to radiation because it's magnets. So it's like magneton stuff that you do instead of radiation. So all the physics behind it is very different. So that's the next step of my career, learning about MRI as much as I can. That's incredible. Well, you've, you've achieved some incredible things in the sport you've made Australian history for women's gymnastics and it sounds like you've got some pretty exciting things on the horizon yeah thank you again so much for joining us if you enjoyed the episode, uh, you like what you heard and you want to h- listen to more, please hit subscribe to So What's Next on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Stitcher.